Inspired by IMDb and Sight and Sound, Return of the Disc presents the Top 250 Movies List, a miniseries. Episode 2 of the Top 250. And as always, my host, co-host with me today is Tom. I'm Hello. And I butchered that opening. But hey, we're here. Episode 2. Talk about movies. Yeah, it's cool. They're, if they're here, they love us. Exactly. <laughs> So you started first last time. You might yeah. have started this time. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay. You still want to do right. the uh, the the five uh, five at a time, yeah. right? Yeah, five at a time. Right. I'll read five of, and then uh, we'll switch. I'll switch to Tom, and he'll read five, and we'll swap yeah. back and forth until the, the reach two hundred one, and that'll be the end of episode two. We had that interesting uh, lists last week last week on episode one so i'm excited to see what we have for episode two yeah i'm gonna start with 225 from 2010 greenberg ben stiller is greenberg he plays a failed musician who falls for his brother's housekeeper their connection gives him a reason to be happy so he doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to do anything with his life. He ends up going on vacation to L.A. He meets his, his brother's uh, housekeeper, played by Greta Gerwig, who was fantastic in this. This is definitely the first film I saw her in. And their first collaboration, to, uh, Greta Gerwig's first collaboration with Noah Baumbach. So oh, yeah. pretty interesting movie. Nice. Next one is 224. <sighs> Help me get one more. 2016 hacksaw ridge <laughs> the true story of desmond t doss played by andrew garfield who won the congressional medal of honor despite refusing to bear arms during world war ii on religious grounds it's also directed by mel gibson and i, I think it's just a fantastic story one that i didn't know about and it's kind of a unique uh part of world war ii that one's good i like that one it is good. It's good. All right. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is my number 223. Edgar Wright, directed uh, from 2004. Simon Pegg plays a loser turned hero in the zombie apocalypse comedy. Edgar Wright's signature quick cuts and editing help make this zombie film feel fresh. And don't throw away your vinyl collection. You might need it. Oh yeah, that's another good yeah. one. <laughs> Two twenty-two. <laughs> this is one that I don't know if you've seen, but uh, came out this year on four or last year on four K. Life Force. Uh, I've seen this one. Toby Hooper, yeah. Um, this movie is insane, and honestly, I don't know how it's not X-rated. On I just, I mean this. The lady in this is just naked, like most of the time. She there's no penetration, movie. so no, there's it, not. It was their logic. <laughs> yeah, Matilda May. She uh, plays an extraterrestrial. Uh, it's kind of like uh, space vampires, I believe. Yeah. Uh, when, when a space mission involving American and British astronauts encounters alien aircraft, the humanoids are brought aboard the shuttle back on Earth. One of the extra extraterrestrials who appears to be a gorgeous woman, played by Matilda May, proceeds to suck the life force out of various Londoners, turning down, uh, turning the town into a city of roaming half-dead people. So yeah, and a nice cameo show-up appearance from 
Patrick Stewart all of a sudden. I mean, I was watching this movie and I was like, that's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember he was in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, this movie is bonkers crazy and I, I like it. It really is. I, I, I really can't imagine, except for the studio probably came to him and said, we want an alien ripoff. Can you help us? And he yeah. said, yes. And then never gave them the script. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually what happened. That's just that's what I imagine has to have happened to make get this movie made. Oh, that's great. That could could be true. <laughs> right. Last one for this five two twenty one from two thousand one. Amelie. A Amelie is a fanciful comedy about a young woman who discreetly orchestrates the lives of the people around her, creating a quick, exclusively on her own making. Visually stunning, quick editing, and unique romance. The visuals are amazing in this, and I believe it was up for like best foreign film when it came out. I just I think it's a heartwarming love story. It's an it's definitely a unique film. Oh yeah, it's adorable. You showed that one to me. All right, that's cool. That's the start. Right. What are your right. next? What's your two twenty five? My two twenty five is the Elephant Man. Uh, David Lynch's biopic of Joseph Merrick, a severely deformed man who was a circus freak in the Victorian era, starring John Hurt. Okay, okay bye. <laughs> I'll start over. Okay. 225, The Elephant Man. Uh, David Lynch's biopic of Joseph Merrick, a severely deformed man who was a circus freak in the Victorian era, starring John Hurt and Anthony Hopkins. What pathos and understanding is brought to the tragic story of Merrick here? Hurt and Hopkins are incredible, as is the makeup on Hurt and the absolutely stunning and trippy black and white cinematography. So, yeah, I love this movie. Yeah. It, it, it isn't now in the Criterion Correction, but I got this before that came out. So this is like a French import. Is that a media book? Uh, Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this movie was actually pretty hard to get a hold of before uh, Criterion put it out. Like, it wasn't really, like, totally available um but yeah i love i love this movie awesome yeah good choice i actually showed this to people at christmas i just kind of put it on the background and everyone was like what the hell is this <laughs> you know it's tom yeah okay cool uh my c44 is the fabulous baron munchausen 1962 I include the year because although there is another film of the name, it might be confused with the Terry Gilliam essentially remake of a very similar name. Um, filmed as if, as if it were shot in the 1930s with trippy animation, matte paintings, and black and white with splashes of color. Carol Zeman's film is a gloriously jubilant farce, which starts with an astronaut landing on the moon and running into a French swashbuckling aristocrat. Um, really weird and trippy. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's really fun. Uh, that was what encouraged me to get by this collection. It, this is three of Carol Zeman's films. Um, and that's a, that's a three pack? Yeah, it's a three-pack. Uh, nice. Journey to the Beginning of Time, Invention for Destruction. Invention for Destruction is apparently based on a Jules Verne novel that I've not read. Um, but yeah, the Fagos Verne Munchausen is still my favorite. Oh, the first, the, the journey to the beginning of time was about like a bunch of kids who like time travel to the dinosaur age and then go on like a river adventure. Oh, it's, wow. It's, it's very, it's very cool. Like he made like very inventive kids movies. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. Then um, 
223 is Little Women, 2019. Greta Gerwin's adaptation of the Louisa Mayle Alcott classic rearranges the story out of chronological order to maximize pace and emotional impact. A heartwarming and heart-wrenching story of a group of young women and their neighbor coming of age during the American Civil War, featuring a fantastic all-star cast. I didn't want to list everybody because there's a ton of people and everybody gave a really good job. I mean, like, you can see the, the list up here. And that's not even all of them. Like there's, there's everyone, there's, and then Better Call Saul shows up. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Bob Odenkirk like, shows up as the dad. You, you don't, like, you don't even know. Like, there's like, I, I mean, like, I guess you could study the IMDb page, but like, I had no idea how many people were going to be in it, so I was kind of surprised whenever anybody showed up. But just a really excellent film, uh, and I, I love that one. Cool. Yeah, I watched it every um, Christmas now. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, 222 is Bamboozled. Spike Lee's pushback satire in which a producer played by Marlon Wayans pitches a network TV show bringing back blackface. Lee's bite has never been sharper, funny, upsetting, and ultimately tragic. Wow, what a film. It's like, it seems to me to be very, like, inspired by, like, network, um, but just a really excellent film. I um, honestly thought when this was coming out that this was like a thirties film from the cup, like the criterion when it was coming out, I thought it was like a thirties film. And then when I looked more into it, I was like, Oh my God. Well, I need to see that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that. Oh, I could bring that one too. Uh, 221. Trugwit 2010. The Coen brothers bring the Western to the screen following the James Hems way the John The Coen brothers bring the Western to the screen following the John Wayne adaptation of Yesteryear. Jeff Bridges stars as Rooster Codburn, a drunken bounty hunter hired by a young girl to kill her father's murderer. Stark yet gorgeously shot one of my all-time favorite westerns. I gotta say, we're we're getting close to overlapping on some of these. Oh hell yeah. I mean, I say close, but it's really like maybe like 15 away or so. I mean, that's pretty close, though. Yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. I I think we got like two or three apart last time, so. Really? Okay. I don't remember. I mean, yeah, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I listened to the first two parts, and then we were definitely Oh, you're talking about the the previous 250, right? Yeah, 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 the previous 250 list. Not, Not last week's. Um, but no, I, I listened to our, our old ones, the first two parts, and then the third one, we were so high and we were going so slow that I was like, I can't do oh, this. Yeah, I bet it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So um. <laughs> I hope this one has better production value. <laughs> All right, at 220, Barfly from 1987. Mickey Rourke becomes Henry Chinaski, a down and out writer based on Charles Bukowski, who also wrote the script. As an audience, we are a fly on the wall observing this alcoholic's day-to-day life. Faye Dunaway shows up as love interest, and Frank Stallone, Sly's brother, plays the bartender. So yeah, this is a, this is a release from Imprint, so it's a pretty cool little set here. Also came with a documentary, like the Bukowski tapes. Ooh, nice. And uh, yeah, so. My, uh, my Ray Harryhausen set actually comes in a box kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, 219, the one that started it all, John Wick. And this is my three-pack, but 
John Wick, the one that started it all over a puppy. Uh, this hitman comes out of retirement or is forced out of retirement after his uh, wife dies of cancer and he loses the, the puppy to some gangsters that mess with him. And really uh, fun, low budget revenge film. You know, when, when I first saw it, I didn't never thought it would become a franchise. But it was such a hit, you know, and then they made the second one, the third one. And now the fourth one comes out uh, this year mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's it's a Me lot too. of fun. It started the uh, uh, gun fu thing. Yeah, and Keanu Reeves is like perfect for that role. Honestly, he is. I think it's probably his best like role that he's ever had. Like, I, I know Neo and is fine, but I think John John Wick is definitely. You couldn't have anybody else play him. That's the way true. That Keanu plays him. Yeah, I mean, definitely top three with like Bill and Ted, and um, oh, that's true. Yeah, he kind of yeah. has like an, a three act structure going on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, two eighteen is a part of a collection as well. The Devil's Backbone by Guillermo Ooh. del Toro. So I got it in the the Criterion package here that I won't undo because it's kind of like a trying like a, I guess it's more of a quadrant. Type thing yeah, it it's, it's like a little tiny puzzle. Yeah. After his losing his father, 10-year-old Carlos arrives at the Santa Lucia, it's a Spanish film, uh, Santa mm -hmm. Lucia uh, School, which shelters orphans of the Republican militia and, and politicians, and is taken in by the steely headmistress, Carmen, and the professor, uh, Cesares. Soon after his arrival, Carlos has a run-in with the violent caretaker, Gradually, Carlos uncovers the secrets of the school, including the youthful ghost that wanders the grounds. So it's a ghost story, but it's more than that. And I just thought it was like such an impact, the way that it ends up ending up. And it's just, it really moved me. So Guillermo del Toro, man. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. It's one of those, I think it's underrated now that oh, yeah. time, is, time has gone by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't hear people talk about that the same way they do uh, like Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And I actually prefer Devil's Backbone. It honestly depends on the day which one I prefer, which is why I put them in the same slot. Also, they're very ah, similar. Yes. I got it. <laughs> well, I can unofficially group mine, I guess. But yeah, yeah Devil's Backbone for sure. All right, oh, yeah. 217 is a change of pace comedy major league from the 80s. This movie just is this movie is just a bit outside. Anyway, so uh, these guys are hired basically to tank, and they end up banding together and not tanking the franchise. There's some hilarious stuff in here. Wesley Snipes is great. Oh, yeah. 216. Midnight Run. I believe 1987? 80, no, 88, it says here. Robert De Niro is hilarious. And he and Charles Charles Grodin plays the straight man in this. He's supposed to escort Grodin to a certain spot, and, and it's just it's like a buddy comedy, laugh out loud, like it's over the top, hysterical. I mean, there's a lot of f words. And it's just the story, you know. It left me wondering why we never really got a sequel. I guess it was kind of in the time where only Rocky movies were getting sequels. But uh, yeah, I just think Midnight Run is, is is a comedy action classic, and that'll do it for that okay. five. 
Cool. Um, my two twenty is Train Spotting, Danny Boyle's adaptation of the Irline Welch novel starring Owen McGregor, a group of drug addicts lose themselves to drugs and accidentally commit horrific crimes in this trippy dark comedy. Oh yeah, it goes to goes to some places. Uh, two nineteen is Halloween nineteen seventy eight. The John Carpenter classic starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance about an escaped mental patient who murdered his sister as a child who returns to his hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois to kill again. This film is inspiring in a way because of its smallness. It's a movie an aspiring filmmaker can look at and think, I can do that. And I kind of did. Um, <laughs> oh, um, that was 219? Yeah, that was 219. So close. I gotcha. Uh, two eighteen. Bowie, Moon Age Daydream. Brett Morgan's documentary is unusual. Instead of reciting facts about Bowie, he attempts to put us in Bowie's headspace using archival footage, interviews, and Bowie's music. Magnificent. It really is. You know, and I that would probably wouldn't made my list if I had it. But I, I'm waiting for the Criterion 4K. You know, I kind of wish I had to, but. I'm, I might get it still, especially since... Uh, I mean, who knows when it's coming out, though? I know, yeah. The uh, the box uh, got chipped, so I'm like, uh, uh, that's a good enough excuse to upgrade to... <laughs> Not really, but, you know. Um, 217, uh, this includes three of them, but I'm just doing the first one. Because um, the... I just, although I enjoy the sequels, they're of mostly inferior quality to the original. Um... Arnold Schwarzenegger battles a hunter alien to the death. Classic 80s action film. Yeah. The best sequel, though, is the Hulu Prey, uh, where like it attacks a Comanche tribe. I like I like all of them except for the the, the Predator. I don't think that movie's any good, but Prey is the best sequel. I haven't seen the Predator. Oh, the the Shane Black one. I didn't I didn't see that one. No, don't. It was terrible. Yeah. It was really bad. Uh, 216, Uncut Gems. Ah, yeah. From the Safety Brothers comes one of the most intense thrillers in recent memory. Adam Sandler is incredible. This movie is stressful to watch. I actually hate this cover. I'm like, why are we like just looking at Adam Sandler? I, I almost didn't get it because of that. Because I was like, oh, it's just shiny Adam Sandler. Like, why are we? But it, it's, it, I wanted the 4K. So, you know. I got that. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Two fifteen. Stanley Kubrick makes the list here with the killing. This is a slow burn heist. You see it from multiple storylines threaded throughout, which leads to a crazy, awesome finale that I was like, all right, this is this is really cool. I think I think it's one of Kubrick's best films. Mm -hmm. Controversial. I like that one a lot. The movie's not controversial, in my opinion. No, I'm gonna say that's his first good movie. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's his third movie. His first two are terrible, and it really holds up. Oh, like Killer's Kiss. 
Yeah, I don't like Killer's Kiss. I don't. Uh, Fear and Desire is actually a terrible movie. Killer's Kiss is only okay, um, but the killing is really good. That's yeah. when Kubrick becomes Kubrick. Yeah, that's that's true. Two fourteen, turns of endearment, powerhouse acting from Deborah Winger, Shirley MacLaine, Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, John Lithgow. So like Little Women, it's got a huge ensemble, deeply moving story. One of the gems out of the 80s. And you had Halloween at 219. I have it at 213. <laughs> the classic uh, first movie that's still the best one of the, end of the uh, franchise. And like you said, it's definitely something that you can aspire, get inspired by and feel like, yeah, I can make that. And shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis, who just won an Oscar. Yeah. 212. Now, I have to say, there was a movie that I could have replaced here. I thought about going out and trying to buy it like the day before that we recorded this, but I figure I'll stick with Hoosiers. Hoosiers, Gene Hackman, he leads an underdog uh, basketball team in Indiana, but it's Dennis Hopper who provides the soul of this film as an alcoholic. Great movie, great sports movie. The one I wanted to replace this with was Ben Affleck's The Way Back. It's very similar in plot, but I thought it was a better upgrade for like mm. current times. And that was like the last movie I saw before COVID, which is really strange to me. I think mine was The Invisible Man. Nice. 211. 211. Hell yeah. 211. James Gandolfini's final performance on screen in Drop. Also starring Tommy Tom Hardy and Numi Rapace, Rapace, I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah. Tom Hardy, man, he gives a really restrained performance until the end. They're brothers. Um, I really love the cinematography in this film and the way that it really it really hits you at the end. And there's an, there's an awesome dog too in here. All right. Cool. Back to you. All right. Um, number 215 is the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, Doc and Marty are up to some time travel shenanigans. Robert Zemeckis directs Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd are on point. Comedy classics. I actually really love the entire thing. Um, I know a lot of people really only like the first film or they think the two and three aren't really that great. I get, I get that. Um, I like all of them. Um, I, I don't know. I just have a lot of fun with them. I like the third one better than the second one. I would agree with that. Um, I, I actually do like the Old West one a lot more than the uh, the side future, but I, I do enjoy them all. I think they all kind of come together as a set. Um, number 214 is Thief. Michael Mann debut, Michael Mann's debut feature starring James Caan as a safe cracker who becomes trapped by the mob. Suspenseful and beautifully shot, this movie makes safe cracking incredibly exciting and the finale is spectacular. Now, I love when they like are cracking the safes and like there's just sparks flying everywhere. Oh, it looks so cool. Yeah, practical. Yeah, okay. Number 213 is The Hunger, 1983. Tony Scott delivers a bisexual vampire movie starring uh, Catherine DeHaan, Susan Sarandon, and David Bowie. 
using 80s kinetic energy and majestic classical stylization to create an atmosphere of surreal seduction and loss. Very unusual vampire movie. Uh, I really like it. It's it's really interesting. You get to see David Bowie age rapidly. Wow. And then uh, 212 is Jaws. We're going to need a bigger boat. Steven Spielberg's iconic blockbuster about a trio taking on a man-eating shark terrorizing Amity Island, a true American classic. And 211, Black Sabbath, 1963, Mario Bava's anthology film starring Boris Karloff that gave the band Black Sabbath their name. A vampire grandfather comes back to terrorize his family. A woman home alone gets a threatening phone call. And a woman who steals the ring from a corpse is stalked by the woman's ghost. Stylish, gothic, and modern, a wonderful Baba thriller. And actually, this edition yeah. is not available in the United States. I have a region-free player, so this is a Region B uh, Blu-ray. So, which nice. I really wanted to get this one because uh, it has both the Italian and and american versions of the film if you're getting it from kino you can you got to like choose one or the other or buy both oh uh, really wow yeah and i was like i haven't seen the american version i don't know which one i prefer like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was 211 nice that's a slack i haven't seen that one yet either I love that one i would say i would bring that next time but we have to watch it here because i it's a it's a region b disc right yeah, that's true. Okay, 210. Another final performance by Jim Gandolfini. In Enough Said. No pun intended. Against type, <laughs> a romantic lead. Uh, again, he plays against type here. He's not a mafia guy. He's a romantic lead. So he, we see a softer side of Gandolfini, one that people said that is more true to him, hopefully. Uh, James, uh, Julie Lou Dreyfus is great as his love interest and she's really the main character in this and Gandolfini's you know the the side character but they play well off each other and it's just a heartwarming movie that I really enjoyed seeing all right next one is 209 from last year mm. Austin Butler is Elvis Ooh. really enjoyed this film Baz Luhrmann wasn't sure what to expect with his films it can go either way for me Really enjoyed it. Loved the portrayal of of Elvis in here by Austin Butler. But not only that, the to to go and frame it um, through the through the eyes of Colonel Parker, played by Tom Hanks. To like, he's got a crazy accent. He's got a crazy voice. Crazy performance from Tom Hanks. But you know, I, I buy it. But just to have it framed from the the villain's perspective, I thought that was a genius move. Next one, two oh eight. Will Ferrell is Elf. It's a uh, Christmas classic now. Came out in 2003, I believe. Directed by John Favreau, who gone, you know, now he's doing Mandalorian. That I, you know, he started the MCU and all that. Now it's become a holiday classic. Will Ferrell plays an elf, uh, trying to find his dad, and trying to get hugs from raccoons and different wild, or, uh, yeah, yeah, wild animals and stuff. So it's it's pretty funny stuff here. And James Con plays the father and Zoe Deschanel is great as well. Yeah. Next one is 207. 
The Descendants, Alexander Payne's Descendants, uh, starring George Clooney. Probably Clooney's best performance as a dad trying to keep it all together while his wife is in a coma. And you have Shaley Woodley uh, plays his daughter in this. And it becomes like this battle over who owns property. And also you discover some secrets that the wife had while she's in a coma. It's just some of the scenes are really gut-wrenching. And then some of the scenes are really funny. Next one is 206 from 1989, the one that started all of the serious or the more grounded Batman stuff. I guess grounded. I don't know. Batman 89. Michael Keaton is Batman. Prince provides the soundtrack. Nicholson is Joker and Danny Elfman score all lead up to this comic book classic. Uh, yeah, really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. All right. That was 206? That was. Okay. All right. That was. Uh, number 210 is Paths of Glory, Stanley Kubrick's fourth film. Uh, Kirk Douglas stars as an army officer defending from court-martial a group of soldiers who disobeyed orders to go on a suicide mission into no man's land in Stanley Kubrick's World War I masterpiece. Harrowing and, harrowing and surprisingly visceral for a 1950s war movie. I still haven't seen it. This is a good one. This is a real good one. Uh, 209, Evan Costello meet Frankenstein. I have it as part of the uh, the Frankenstein legacy oh, set. So yeah, it's it's back in here. The funny thing is that I have all the legacy collections and they were like so lazy that they were like, but I had the package as one, but they were so lazy that they were like, oh, we're just going to like put the legacy collections in a box and ship it out. So I have like three copies of Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein because I have it in the Wolfman, Frankenstein, and Dracula legacy collections. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's really random, but I'm like, all right, I don't mind having multiple discs, I guess, whatever. Um, when monster movies stopped making money for Universal, they turned to parody, adding vaudeville variety actors Bud Abbott and Lou Costello into the mix with the same old actors and sets that had made Universal successful in the 1930s. Bud and Lou star alongside Bela Lugosi and Lon Chaney Jr. reprising their roles as Dracula and the Wolfman. Karloff doesn't play the monster, but it hardly matters. A comedy goldmine, Abbott and Costello's best film. Nice. 208, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Breaking out of their hit comedy sketch show, Monty Python's Flying Circus, the Pythons take on King Arthur and the Knights of Camelot in a series of loosely connected sketches and their ultimately unfulfilled quest for the Holy Grail. With a simple premise and a low budget, the Pythons made one of the best comedies of all time. It's one of the most quoted movies of all time, too, I gotta say. I mean, Honestly, I would guess. it probably is. I mean... I think I think it has like the mo like I mean there's a lot of movies that get quoted but I feel like most of those movies only have a few lines. That one has a ton. Like, which sketch would you quote? You know, like there's like ten, there's like five or six at least that are like really right. iconic. Um, okay. Uh, Number 207 is Stand By Me, Rob Reiner's adaptation of the Stephen King novella The Body, a coming-of-age adventure, minus King's usual supernatural horror, heartwarming and nostalgic, yet bittersweet. It wistfully remembers the pain and pleasures of childhood. 
206. Nice 206 is a uh, Christmas one for me as well. Um, Richard Donner, Donner's masterful riff on Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol starring Bill Murray as a selfish TV executive putting on a live production of A Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve, who is visited by four ghosts and ultimately learns the true meaning of Christmas. Hilarious and heartwarming held together by a fantastic Murray performance. Scrooged. Scrooged. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, so that was 206. Oh, all right. My last five, starting with 205. Continuing on, Batman Returns from 92. Helen's <laughs> yeah. trying here. Keaton is still on his game. This movie feels the most Burton out of the two. Mm-hmm. 204 from 1973 American Graffiti lots of famous people from the 70s in this one Ron Howard, Richard Dreyfuss, even Harrison Ford it proved George Lucas could write a decent coming of age comedy and a nice soundtrack oh yeah 2003 or <laughs> number 203 <laughs> <laughs> City Slickers from 1991. This buddy comedy led by Billy Crystal. It's Bruno Kirby. It's Bruno Kirby though that steals the laughs. Daniel Stern is here as well. Can't forget Jack Palance was nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of Curly. Really? Yeah. So it's it's one of those movies that grew on me. Yeah. All right. 202 is from 1994. Clerks. A true lottery ticket. Kevin Smith betting himself and his friends maxing out credit cards to make this little independent film about convenience clerks. So yeah, it's kind of, you know, if it's kind of, there's crude humor, um, lots of Star Wars talk, a pop culture talk, and convenience store talk. So black and white as well. So, I mean, if you're up for that, then try clerks. Oh, yeah. All right, 201 is Dodgeball from 2004. Fuck you, Chuck Norris. Vince Vaughn goes toe-to-toe with Ben Stiller. Lots of laughs and decent story about a small gym taking on the state-of-the-art Globo gym. Just just a comedy classic now, I got to say. I mean, I really enjoy this film. Yeah. That does it for my list for, for this cool. episode. Um. Number 205 for me is The New World. Um, I prefer the theatrical cut. Um, the criterion includes three different cuts of the movie. I think the theatrical cut is the most focused of the three. Um, Terrence Malick presents the story of John Smith, Pocahontas, and John Rolfe in a more grounded and realistic manner. Uh, it must be what we're out there. <laughs> in a more grounded, realistic manner, you feel for Pocahontas, who leaves her triumph for love, is cast aside and must find new moorings in the, wor- in the world the Europeans are creating. Nice. Beautiful criterion, uh, too. Like, they did a great job with that. That's one I need to revisit. Yeah, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. It wasn't, it wasn't the film I was expecting. Um, but I, I then watched it because I watched it around when it came out, and then um, me too. I, and then I rewatched it like I don't know, um, three four years ago. And I was like, okay, now I actually really enjoy it. Um, but it, yeah, it took I, me- I was I was working at a video store and I 
rented it and then I burned it to a DVD. Like I still have that DVD <laughs> that I copied. <laughs> but you're saying that, that there's a different cut though. There's watch. three different cuts. Um, the theatrical one I think is the best just because it feels really focused. The other two are like varying delays longer and are mostly like ambiance that's added. Okay. There's not really like a ton of like, there's, there's not really any plot differences. Okay. Um, it's, it, but so like for me, it was just like the theatrical cut has enough ambiance for me. I don't really need more. Um, but if you really like the long shots of trees and stuff, then like definitely check those out. <laughs> I'm not saying they're bad. Like it's just like for me. It sounds, like it's, just, it sounds like it's just more Terrence Malick. Yeah, it's just more Terrence Malick. So I mean, like, I'm honestly, this is my favorite Terrence Malick movie. I'm not a huge fan of his other ones. So like for me, the theatrical cut has the least amount of Terrence Malick's like stuff, and it has the most plot. So like that. That's why I prefer that one. But like, if you're trying to like. You know, just zone out. Maybe you want one of the longer ones. Um, you know, it's, it, I'm yeah. glad I have them. I'm glad that I have access to them and I can watch them. Um, but just for me, the, the theatrical cut is a little better. I don't have like strong feelings on it like I do some of the other mm -hmm. cuts on this list. Um, <laughs> 204, the Monster Squad. Playful and campy, a group of modern school kids have to battle Dracula and his minions, Wolfman, the Mummy, and the Gill Man, with the help of the Frankenstein monster and a descendant of Professor Van Helsing. Uh, this movie's just really fun. I still got to see that one, too. Really? I thought you were there when we watched it, but I don't know. Maybe we were just high. Maybe I wasn't around. really there. Yeah, uh, it could be. <laughs> Number two or three, Labyrinth. John Huston's fantasy world is superb. John Huston. Jim Henson. I was going to say, that's a way different movie. <laughs> I wrote this on, like by hand. Um, it's so, not like, enough that John Huston directed Annie. <laughs> I can't imagine what his Labyrinth would be. Anyways. <laughs> Jim Henson's fantasy world is superb. David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly shine as they play off of each other. A delightful Muppet fantasy about growing up, battling goblins, kings, and visible penis lines. That's a good one. Number 202, Seven Samurai. Akira Kurosawa samurai epic about a village that recruits the help of seven ronin samurai to protect them from bandits. Big, bloody, sad, and funny Kurosawa makes you feel so many emotions over the course of three hours. Still, I haven't. Still haven't watched it. Oh, really? I remember you got that like a while ago. I have it. It's still sitting in my, my new arrivals section. The funny thing is, is when you got it, I was like, oh, you got Seven Samurai. Like, I didn't really care for the movie. And then now it's on my top 250 list. So, like, yeah. Between the time you got it and now, a lot enough time has passed for me to have gained an appreciation of Seven Samurai. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to watch it soon. I'll try to watch it soon. <laughs> uh, take your time. You're fine. I Every mean, time I look from, at it, I'm like, it's three hours. I don't know. Like, I, I should. You know, I should be over the, that. the pacing is really good. I, I mean, like, it doesn't ever feel like a slog. At least, you know what. I say that maybe the first time it did. I don't really remember. That might be why I didn't care for it the first time. But now, for me, when I watch it, it goes by real fast. Okay. So, I mean, you know, 
Pick your poison, yeah. I guess. Um, fair, yeah. uh, number 201 is Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. This is one of those where I have a very strong opinion about which cut you should watch, and you should watch the director's cut because the theatrical cut leaves out important plot points that help you understand the story. Um, mm. For example, in the theatrical cut, you might be confused about the political argument, and in the director's cut, you'll realize there is a child on the throne and everybody is manipulating him. And that explains a lot. <laughs> that would have helped. There's a lot of stuff like that in this cut where I'm like, this is baffling. I can't believe they left this out. Um, anyway, I'm going to read what I wrote. Uh, <laughs> Ridley Scott's crusade epic follows Orlando Bloom as he goes to Jerusalem and defends the city against the great Saladin. Surprisingly accurate to the history of the Second Crusade, this is an epic and well-made film with an all-star supporting cast. Well done. Yeah. Uh, this is fun. Another great uh, group of movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, guys, let us know below what you thought of this week's episode of the Top 250. And we'll be yeah. back next week, episode three, where we break into the 200s. Yes. An inch closer to our top movie. Yeah. But until then... I'm Dan. I'm Tom. Catch you next time. For more Return of the Disc, visit returnofthedisc.com. Check out the audio version of today's show, available on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel.